Welcome to Rice is Rice, a podcast about the British East Asian and Southeast Asian experience on all things Asian and not. I'm Akina. I'm Connor. And I'm Jep. And honey, we're home. Welcome to season two. (laughs) (laughs) We're back. That was so cute. Um, It feels... It feels like coming home. Yeah, yeah, we got picked up again for season two by ourselves. <laughs> by ourselves. <laughs> and, Congrats, um, guys, we did it. <laughs> we are... Yeah, I know. The rap party was great. <laughs> and yeah, but we are back with a plan. We're going to move from our 50-episode seasons to... 50-episode mo- season? Was it really that long? It was like 52 episodes. Yeah, we had yeah, a, a long-ass first season. But we're going to move from that to a more condensed, concentrated and quality over quantity type approach. Yeah, because like that burned us out. It was, yeah. yeah. completely. Um, and I think we all needed that break because uh, like we said, it was like over 50 episodes and we never took a break since we started. So I think we all needed that yeah. to like take a step back, have a bit of a breather and um, and yeah plan out better quality content for for all you listeners and thank you guys for being so patient with us yeah because um you know i see the statistics some of you actually still listened i mean it wasn't a lot not gonna lie but (laughs) we did still get some downloads during our break so that's good to know um and it turns out doing week to week recordings of a podcast is quite tiring yes mm. you do run out of stuff to say even gem mm. runs out of stuff to say guys <laughs> even gem <laughs> even me uh but i hope you guys missed us um we're, we're looking forward to bringing back um more topics for you guys some difficult some more fun and um we're, we're gonna start off with a difficult one it's it's a difficult time so this is a di- it's hard one to begin but i I think we all think it's it's important to begin with. Um, just like a first disclaimer among other disclaimers, we have had to record this specific episode in two different sittings. The first one was just, it was just tough. Um, so we needed to kind of go away and like collect ourselves and, and then do it again. So if it seems messy at any point, which it won't because we'll edit it real good, um, then that is, that is why. That is why. Yeah. And I do actually, um, even though we did give three disclaimers before, I want to give like a trigger warning to anyone who might have, you know, had a confrontation or like racial attack in the past. I don't want to, you know, I don't want this episode to bring up any PTSD. So just be warned that we will be talking about quite tough topics then it might bring up you know anything from before yeah for sure okay let's get into it yep Today, we're serving rice with a side of hashtag stop Asian hate. And before we start our episode, we have just a few disclaimers for you. Um, the first one is we know that we've been really quite shit with putting any information in the description or show notes of our episodes on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. So for this episode, just to let you all know, we're going to be adding all of the resources that we've used to build this episode. Um yeah, so if you want to learn more about what we're talking about now, then just click on the description and follow all the links and yeah, get learning. Um, our second disclaimer is that we 
are aware that we are significantly behind in joining the conversation. And so there will be things that are missed since we're in early stages of catch-up research around the subjects. So we're speaking from a position of possibly um, misinformation. So we do welcome a dialogue so that we can be more informed on this subject and correct us when we're wrong or pick apart the opinions that we do share. And lastly, this is a massive subject that, you know, it can cover a whole season, let alone one episode. So I think just kind of watch out because we'll probably come back to this at a later date some point. And uh, yeah. So jumping right into the episode, I think we should start with kind of how we've personally attached ourselves to this subject. Um, it is really close to home for us and for our community. For me, personally, I don't know about you guys, but I've had a lot of like compassion fatigue when it comes to this subject. I think because it's it is really quite close to home. And the last few months of 2020 and the first few months of 2021 have been really, I guess, professionally, emotionally and, and mentally draining for me. So meanwhile, we've had kind of like I've been watching the tidal wave of really warranted outrage over all of the hate crimes that usually elderly Asian people have been targeted um, in the U.S. and in the U.K. Um, and other parts of the Western world because of COVID-19 and, and the blame that is is falling on us. Um, so I, a lot of me instinctually wanted to kind of step back from that a little bit. This episode is great because it's kind of pushing me to join in the conversation and begin research as painful as that might be so a lot of that I, I i started today so really as much as i want to be quiet and kind of watch in in the background we are a podcast that talks about asian communities and how we live as asians so the first episode really felt right to be about what's happening to us right now um what about you guys how have you been feeling about about all of the things that you see on on social media yeah i think um around this time last year we kind of did a similar episode in terms of the recent well then recent covid attacks there was like that singaporean kid the student who was walking down office circus and uh, a lot of students actually getting attacked last year and then now i'm not sure what it is if it's like the winter months and it brings on like violence within people but you know, seeing it online more and especially because it's CCTV footage. We didn't really get that last time. Um, so it's quite, it's quite a lot more painful this time. Yeah, Cause, yeah. You know, definitely every overwhelming. Every time a next shock, you know, article reports on it or resonate or something like that and they show the video, I feel like I skip the video more times than I watch it at the moment because... Especially it being elders this time. A lot of elderly people in the States have been targeted. And I feel like the problem in the community is Asians, especially older generation Asians, they don't report things because mm -hmm. they don't see it necessary to quote-unquote bother the police or they don't trust the police because they know nothing really will happen. Um, so just kind of thinking of that and seeing all these articles and videos and then those you know it could look like your grandparents is really it's quite hard this it's time quite it, it's quite painful to 
be on top of all of that news all of the time. Yeah, I keep up to date. Mm-hmm. What about yeah, you, Jen? Um, I would like completely have to. I feel like I'm gonna cry. Oh. Um, yeah, I think. I mean, I think similarly, similarly to you, Kino, um, I've had like a really busy like beginning of the year professionally, but then I've just been struggling mental health wise since like November, and and mm. I think it started off with feeling overwhelmed with just COVID in general and being in this mm. lockdown and. Uh, because I moved out I was like away from family and and then I lost my grandmother um who I was really really close to uh in December so I've just had like lots on my mind and then because everything that's been coming out recently have been attacks on like old people and like Connor said you can't you can't help but like imagine your grandparents in those situations and it I think it's just so painful because it's like it's attacks on people who can't defend themselves yeah and i think i've i've always and i've mentioned this in on the podcast before that i think i'm in a position of privilege 100 percent, because i've never really experienced that bad racism being here um and i know i've experienced i've experienced less than you both so seeing like all the news and and also because it's not just on news it's on social media and i'm on social media a lot there's no escape from it but it's a good thing that there's no escape from it because we have to we have to be made aware and we have to fight against it and and talk about it because if we don't then it's just ignoring an issue mm-hmm. um but it's uh it's definitely been like hugely overwhelming and i've had to take like little breaks from social media like here and there because sometimes i'll see something it's neck shark a lot because i absolutely love neck shark but then i'll like see they they give like what like there's a few articles every day and then there's days when I am just not in the right mindset to like mm-hmm. read these articles. So what I've just started doing is I you know you can have like saved folders. Yeah. Um I just save articles that I miss for like the day that I feel okay to be reading them. Um yeah. but I do I also do feel a lot of guilt that I have to do that. I don't think you should. I think, of course, this is a burden on us to to be on top of the news and, and be vocal about it. But I think that we should be able to do it on our own terms. And I completely empathize with, especially with your situation, having lost a grandparent recently. And on top of that, what everyone's dealing with, with COVID, there's like a huge sense of powerlessness in everything that's happened um powerlessness in the pandemic powerlessness in like just keeping hold of of the lives around us and protecting our loved ones it's it's tough and i think you should be able to do it on your own terms and saving these articles to read when you're ready is completely valid yeah i think we should give a shout out to sites like next shark and resonate which is like the british version of next shark for people who don't know because they really do report on more or less every, and it's it's horrible to see, but they really do report on more or less every single attack or racist incident. Um, Resonate has, you know, is more UK centric, so that one is more ones based in um, the UK in general, which is really good because the news really doesn't hasn't reported on it i don't think mm-hmm. i've not seen anything not the mainstream news not the, yeah and like maybe some some like channels in the states but like those like very rare and 
it took like five celebrities to talk about it to get like just a 15 minute section whereas here there's been nothing yeah like they talked about it in parliament remember like last year Mm -hmm. about um covid related hate crimes and it wasn't even like the main parliament it was like a side room but props to the mps who did that but it's still not really you know like yeah bbc news or sky news or something like that like the mainstream media needs to kind of show what's going on because i think the lack of exposure of it is causing a lot of these cases to not be charged as hate crimes which is what's happening mm, right now with sure. a lot of them. for sure which really um, just angers me it, and that... it really adds to the like <sighs> distrust of um the police which mm-hmm. makes more people not want to report it you know So it sounds like we're kind of all in the same boat of feeling like this is just such a heavy emotional burden. But we've agreed to do this episode anyway because we do need to talk about it. Um, Even so, I'm just really conscious of the kind of energy we're bringing to the table. You know, most of our audience is part of the East Southeast Asian community. uh, So we didn't want to be preaching to the choir. But maybe we can talk about how we got here or like how the systems have placed us in the situations that we are in now. Like, let's not pretend that this is all just because of COVID. The racism was alive and well in these people from the get-go, and there's going to be reasons for that. So there's this report on the BCN website, which I think is just such a great bit of reading if you want to be more informed. And it's a report collectively written by academics, politicians, and organizations like End the Virus of Racism, Kanlungan Filipino Consortium, and the Asian Leadership Collective. Um, And what it is, it's a response to a government call-out. Basically, UKGov have gone, give us evidence on the ethnic inequality in the UK, and this report has said, here you fucking go. Uh, And one of the things they touch on in this report is the violence shown through the neglect of Filipino workers in the NHS. It's a bit separate to all of the attacks and vandalism that we're seeing on the streets, but it's still violence shown through our community. Uh, Jem, your dad still works in the NHS. My parents did, but they've moved on now. How is he doing? I uh, I weirdly think my dad has been talking about it less. I mean, it could also be that because I'm not there every day. But um, when I ask him how work is, he's just like, oh, you know, it's it was busy. Um, my dad doesn't tend to tell us about like if he's ever experienced like anything bad. Um, on a shift until years later like my dad has been involved in multiple court cases of due to racism which I didn't know until about two years ago um and he told us yeah yeah he there had been attacks in the hospital of people um being like like shouting out racial slurs and it's being reported and he'd had to go to court as a witness and um loads of different things have happened and I again I was so I think my parents did such a good I say a good job, but I also think it, they didn't have to protect us from it because I think it's really um, it's vital that kids are aware that these kind of things happen. Uh, but yeah, my parents relatively just keep that to themselves. So I have no idea about whether my dad's been experiencing any more hate crimes um, or any kind of anything in comparison to now than and before. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's... Um kind of is more evidence to the Asian people don't really like telling us or like younger generation when they've been attacked 
because they see it as some sort of protection barrier against yeah. racism in you know, mm. in the world. Um, which is a shame because I see where they're coming from. They just want to, you know, protect um, mm-hmm. kids from the hardships of the world because it's just one of those things that, I don't know, It they don't, I guess they don't want us to be always on guard and want us to like live, you know, a full life. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, it really does like hinder because because they don't tell us, they don't tell authorities, figures that, you know, people like the government uses to um, see if Asian hate crime is a problem are very skewed figures. They're not getting, they're probably getting less than half of the actual attacks, you know? We have that. And then on top of that, there's just, again, such a lack of data because going back to this this response, this document that Be Seen has written up, it says in the document that we really don't know how many people from the East and Southeast Asian communities have suffered from COVID-19, but we do know that a disproportionate number of, of healthcare workers from our community has died from COVID-19. And we're talking about Filipinos. Um, and we know that more than 20% of NHS staff and, and more than 30% of nurses who have died from COVID-19 are Filipinos. And I've seen so many of those graphic slides on Instagram talking about how this percentage of Filipino nurses dying here in this country is significantly higher than the Filipino nurses dying in our own country. Yeah. I I think when I read that, I was genuinely quite winded and I didn't know how Mm -hmm. to respond to such like a staggering fact. My parents have been speaking about the, that mad percentage that Akita mentioned. Um, And I think I remember the first, um, the first bit of news that I heard of a Filipino dying um, I think he was a lower band Filipino, if I remember correctly, and he lived um, two towns away from Azakino. Um, yeah, really? and I think he might have been kind of newish to the country. I, I mean, we didn't know him personally, so this is all like I don't, I, I don't quote me on this. Um, but we knew people who knew him, so even that like hitting close to home. And um, I, I hate to say like, oh, I feel like I'm quite lucky that my dad isn't like a lower band level, so he's not kind of just like pushed around and told where exactly to go. But I am Mm. aware that like, if you are a lower band level or just starting off in the country, which a lot of Filipinos when they first come to this country do have to start from, from the bottom like that um, do just kind of get told to go. And often that could be the COVID wards. Yeah. Like take anything type situation, (laughs) like take anything they can get work-wise. I think this is like kind of evidence of a broader issue Mm -hmm. systemically Mm -hmm. with, you know, a lot of public service jobs like nursing or domestic work even mm-hmm. as well, yeah, which a lot sure. of Filipinos also do, especially like around where we live. Um, and this systemic issue is the fact that not a lot of people of colour and kind of are in the managerial, you know, shift. Like the high level High level positions. shift assigning positions for these jobs. And because of this, like as much as people want to say that they don't see color or it's not an effective thing or whatever. There's such an unconscious bias that if you see an Asian worker, you're like, oh, they're, they're all going to work hard. I'm going to send them over to this hospital because they need help. And I know this person's going to work hard for the same amount of, you know, hours or money as this other nurse. 
Yeah, and we know that all this is not by accident. Like they've done. Yeah. Uh, there's not an extensive amount of research or data around Asians specifically, but it does exist out there. And like you know that study, I'm sure you guys have heard of it. You know, like when they talk about um, interviews and job applications, and when it's like a person of color's name on the CV, yeah, they're much it. less likely to get an interview. Mm-hmm. Someone I think did that. Um, Frasians as well, and it's the same situation. You know, it's not a mistake. It's, yeah, it happens far too much to be a mistake. They're just not getting into that position because we're not being allowed mm-hmm. into those roles. And you can't like people. They always say like, if you want to change something, then start from where you are. But change systemically for like massive racial injustices does not start from the bottom. It's impossible. Yeah. You know, these yeah. especially. institutions like healthcare and stuff it's so um it's so long and historic and it's been it's so ages ingrained and you know, into the whole kind of yeah like so ingrained society, society. Yeah. um there's no way you know some like lower band nurse who's just come here into the country is going to change anything mm-hmm. yeah with i it, really i think some it's so easy to be really romantic about it and like idealistic and like believe that the little man can can change a whole system but change comes from the top down mm-hmm. it's just that's just how it works yeah. so without um, people from our community the East Southeast Asians in these positions of like lawmakers or like um, chief of police or things like that we're never going to see any change unless we can get those people up there mm. um, that's <laughs> I have like I have no solutions for this but it's just The more that we read and the more that we realize that, uh, like, what's missing, the more we can be vocal and and hopefully cause up enough outrage mm-hmm. um, where we see things start to shift. shift. Yes. Um, it's really it's really funny because what we're talking about is the bamboo ceiling, but I don't think that's a phrase used much in this country. Uh, I've actually never heard of, um, I've heard of, like, the glass ceiling. Uh, I've not heard of, for women, yeah. Um, I've not heard of of the bamboo ceiling um, until you've just mentioned it. Um, it's basically the bamboo ceiling is basically the same concept. It's a it's a roof. It's a it's a lid put upon you know East Asian, Southeast Asian diasporas in Western countries in any sort of job role, any sort of leadership role. It's like any point past senior level mm-hmm. in any job. There's like a ceiling to Asians because. I know it's just not wanted or they're alienated or most of the time it's like nepotism and get get passed up, you know, for a less qualified, paler person. Uh. (laughs) I was uh, doing this online course um, and something you just said reminds me of like how often Chinese workers specifically, they're thought of like, you know, Chinese workers historically have always been just good for the menial work. Uh, and we see that when we read about like World War One and, and the Chinese labor corps. Yeah. And that's where people kind of see us. That That's our okay. level. Yeah. I mean, yeah, that's like that's through history. No matter what Western country any Asians go to, that's what they end up doing. You know, mm-hmm. they built the railroads in the States. They dug the trenches in France. Um, we do the laundry, the restaurant cooking, you know, the, the dock working. The first yeah. Filipinos in America, they were all like dock workers and boat, like boat farmers, farmers and stuff. Mm. Yeah, 
the farmers in uh, California. Who yeah, and the then grapes. when that happens over a sustained period of time, I think what um, people outside of us, like outside of Asians, tend to dehumanize yeah. um, human beings and be like, well, you know, your waitress is just a waitress mm -hmm. or whatever, like you're... Um, in the laundromats, they're just there to serve yeah, so you. Yeah, so you start kind of. This is how we get looking like there's there's levels. Like I'm a higher up person than you are, and it's creating a hierarchy in society. Yeah, and then that's how like this violence happens, and you. We've already touched on this earlier on in the episode, our first bit of recording, but it just sucks that it is these older people because it is them who have this understanding of like maybe they've partly internalized their level mm -hmm. in society um, and like what you were saying they're less likely to report it or 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 tell police yeah for um, sure they're defenseless and like you know they always believe that people because there's no proof because there's no bc people in higher up senior leadership roles that they're just going to be like well that's not for us we'll just stick to you know restauranteering or whatever because like Gemma Chan did an interview and she said that her parents told her not to act because they literally said you don't see faces like ours on TV mm -hmm. or film so there's no point doing it you know they need proof yeah. that's the thing Asians are very like proof and evidence driven people mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. this is kind of like a shift in pattern we're seeing because uh, people like boomers they come over here and they're like keep your head down just work really hard just get yeah. money and survive but then people like your dad's generation and our parents generation they're like keep your head they're like um no we want change but at the same time we need to work so much harder mm -hmm. to prove ourselves so they're like and then our generation is like no we shouldn't work so much harder so we want change and to work the same amount as yeah we shouldn't so, have yeah to. so as it goes along in time you know people will get in more and more proactive because mm -hmm. there's like the old people who were like saying nothing our parents would say stuff behind doors but we like this younger generation millennials and younger saying yeah. stuff out in the we open are a lot more know, vulnerable. standing up and yeah and that's why you know a lot of these brand new well not brand new but a lot of these um bc like charities and organizations are started by millennials yeah yeah you know like um chinese Chinese biz I think their Instagram handle be seen obviously is like they did the report yeah um I yeah I was gonna also say that I think the other thing is that because obviously our, our parents and our grandparents grew up in back probably in our, their like home country um so again there's that kind of uh like I guess segregation between Asians but because we grew up in England amongst other Asians um we don't have that same view of like they're different because I think even with our parents they view like oh like all the Asians are very different. Like we don't interact with them. You keep within your own community. Yeah. But with mm. us, we've made a community within ourselves as British Asians because we have all very similar experiences. And I think that that is what also helps us be able to speak Especially out now because we're a community. Yeah, mm. exactly. With the likes of like I'm, I'm straight away like top of my head. I was just thinking of Viviana. Like I, I like I have so much admiration for her and what she's she's built on her platform. Um, like she i i i mean i haven't growing up i didn't really know anyone other than filipinos and as i've gotten older and interacting with other mm -hmm. um asian diasporas it's been nice to know that we have these similarities and in my head i didn't think i 
I I had like kind of my parents' mindset because I didn't know about any other Asians. Um, yeah, yeah, it's proper. Like I think, especially now, because of what's going on, you know, racist people aren't gonna be like, oh, I'm not gonna touch them because they're Thai. It's not their fault. They're just gonna see anyone who looks BC and be like, you're Chinese. Yeah, yeah. Go fuck yourself. Yeah. So I think because of that unified hate kind of comes out this unified love and protection yeah. you know not even just from agents like you know a lot of other um communities are also starting to speak up and mm. you know give us voice which is mm. great to see yeah um yeah for sure and i think definitely check out those links yourself there is so many resources out there all you need to do really if you're already part of the community you'll probably be going through twitter instagram and you'll see it everywhere but if you aren't in these circles because i realized that sometimes we can live in these bubbles and we can trick ourselves into believing that um everyone is seeing what we're seeing but some people really are not as clued up. So if you need somewhere to start, we have maybe a few accounts that you can use to get yourself started on, on being accounts, more informed. Websites. A few websites or just people who are doing bits. Um, so the, we've already mentioned Be Seen. So check out their Instagram, go to their website. They're doing bits. We also want to recommend British Chinese Biz um, and Racism Virus and Resonate. Um, there's just, those are just a few things that can help you start to learn more about what's happening. Learn about what you can do to help. Um, I know we mentioned as well, it's so easy to feel powerless. Mm. Um, but, you know, every every little bit, and it's it's a collective effort. Jem, oh. you've been doing bits as well. Yes. Um, also, we at BAM Beyond are going to create a video um, following the campaign of hashtag Stop Asian Hate. Um, where we invite anyone who'd be willing to to share their experiences either through a video or through words um, and what we'll do is we'll just post um, the link in the description for this podcast if you would like to get involved okay and that's the episode i know it was a bit tense it was a bit heavy but we have everything that you want resource wise in the show notes just go check it out if you have time fill out some questionnaires, give shout-outs. If you have spent money, donate, because these are organizations that they don't earn a profit from any of this, and they need help, and we need you know, support from anyone in any community, especially if you're not Asian as well. I think in our community, it's well-known, but we need to get the message out there more. Um, thanks for listening in general, and I think you can find us from now on, because we're back. So every Wednesday, just come back here, Come back to your phone, your computer, Spotify, Apple, Deezer, SoundCloud. Oh, actually, I don't think we use SoundCloud. No. no don't go to SoundCloud. <laughs> You're not going to find us there. So you guys can find us as always on Instagram at Rice is Rice Pod, on Twitter at Rice is Rice underscore pod, and on YouTube, Rice is Rice. Um, and as always, our DMs are open. Um, so if you guys want to... Um, connect and, and talk about anything that we did speak about in this episode. We are open conversation, so please. Don't forget to get rice in your life for the first time in 2020. Ooh.